0: Hello, my name is Ben Jenkins. Welcome back to another episode of the ACN podcast, the official podcast the Australian College of Nursing. Welcome back to part two of a two-part series with former CEO of the Australian College of Nursing and former Commonwealth Chief Nursing Registry Officer, Professor Deborah Toms. Whereby in the last episode, we learned about Deborah's journey into nursing, her early career, and finally her entry into her early leadership roles. In today's episode, Deborah details her journey into roles such as the New South Wales Chief Nursing Officer. She talks about her motivation for undertaking the role of ACN's CEO. And finally, some of her favourite memories from her time as Commonwealth Chief Nursing Midwifery Officer. I came away with such a deeper understanding and appreciation for these senior nursing leadership positions. It was an absolute honour to speak with Deborah on the ACN podcast and hope you feel as inspired as I was when listening to these episodes. So please enjoy today's episode with... Professor Deborah Toms. Deborah, welcome back to the second episode, part two. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Fantastic. So we sort of left the last episode after recapping your earlier career as a registered nurse and then moving into midwifery, going from metropolitan to rural and talking about some of the fantastic things that you've done in a in a rural setting. Uh, We've sort of then talked about some of the the challenges and getting into more of sort of leadership positions. Now I'd like to more focus towards those roles that you've then progressed into that aren't purely nursing anymore. You started progressing into roles that were more of area CEOs and and executive directors for Royal Hospital for Women in Sydney. So I'd love to to know a bit more about that journey and how you went from that nurse unit manager role into that.
1: So um, I returned to New South Wales to do my master's and I went um, that's when I went to Manning and then I had a oh, brief sojourn at a couple of other places and I applied for the role of Director of Nursing at the Royal Hospital for Women which was at Paddington at the time and I was ultimately successful and so that was my um, second Director of Nursing role actually I had my first one at Camden District Hospital as it was then and I um, I was it was a great time to be at the Royal because we were doing the planning for the new hospital at Randwick and we did the move to Randwick. And when the um, then general manager slash executive director, they you know how the health changes titles all the time. Um, anyway, the I think we, uh, when I got it, it was executive director. She uh, moved on to another role and so I was asked to act in the role and ultimately when it became open, I applied for it. So that was my first step into more general management in the health system. Okay. Um, was at the Royal and we did the move and um, I was then over on the Randwick campus. So I was at the Royal for eight, about eight years, I think it was, all up. I and it, it, it look, some of the best years of my work and I, I had a fabulous executive team. I think out of a, a lot of I've, ha- I've worked with some really great people but that team at that time we just fitted together so well and it was um, you know moving the hospital and everything else and settling into the Randwick campus maintaining an identity as a women's hospital um, meeting all the financial challenges and things was you know that had its had its challenges and its stresses yeah. but I had a great executive team so it made all the difference um, So that's where I first really started to move into general management mm. and look I, I enjoyed it um, it's lovely being able to play in all aspects of a health provider rather than being just doing shall we say the nursing um, and it was from there then that I um, I went out to dubbo as the as the CEO of the then Macquarie area Health Service which of oh, course. Wow not called that anymore. Um, and that was a whole new experience. Um, it was, that was really challenging. Um, a number of small hospitals, you know, rural health service delivery is, is challenging. It's hard. Um, but, um, again, learned, learned a whole lot. Um, and it was really while I was out there that I, I came to the decision that I really wanted to stay with my profession. Hmm. I really enjoyed the broad general management role. Um, it, it, uh, it was great. There were so many different things, so many different um, aspects to learn about, um, so many um, different strategies, tra- you know, things you had to be implementing and 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 looking your engagement with community ensuring quality of care you know all the things that have to happen in health services but it at my heart in my heart um i'm a nurse and i wanted to be with my profession so it was while i was out there that i uh, came in and saw the head of the health department and said look i want to resign i want to come back to nursing and i i it was after that that i then returned um, to an area director of nursing role at Southeastern Sydney in New South Wales. Um, and then my career has been much more focused within my profession. Um, and I've been very happy with that decision.
0: I guess even as you mentioned in the, the first episode, talking about gaining those skills within midwifery, even though you didn't... Yeah practice for an exceptionally long time within that area You still you've gained a whole new set of skills that you can then apply to other areas can't imagine the set of skills as you're mentioning within these sort of other roles is going to help you moving forward to do anything else that you wanted to do
1: absolutely and I think that the one of the really important things that I gained out of moving into those broader roles was it made me look at nursing from the outside you know nursing is quite an inward looking profession often and we get frustrated at times when we don't feel understood in that. But when you are on the other side of the table looking at nursing, you suddenly start to see nursing as perhaps others see nursing and realise that, that there are some things we perhaps need to do in how we present arguments, um, mm. how we um, put together a case for change or whatever. Uh, and I think that that was really, has been really valuable then for me when I came back into nursing roles, because that that understanding to an extent of how others viewed nursing that I couldn't see until I stepped out myself meant that I, w- I could be more effective internally within the profession. Well, I like to think so. Um, and others would need to judge. But I would like to think <laughs> that it helped me to be more effective and more strategic in how I approached issues. Um, so it was, you know, look, it was a great learning experience um, and it was, I, I got to do some very different things. Um, but, it, but at the end of the day, nursing's where I wanted to be and that's where I went to. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Mentioning what you just said before when it comes to uh, looking from the outside back into nursing, was there any mm-hmm. sort of particular example of something that sort of struck you that you're just like, oh, my goodness, um, thank, thank you for that time?
1: Um, well, I think um, uh, it, it's, um, w- look, nurse, we speak a language in nursing that we all understand, but not everybody else necessarily understands it. And then we wonder why they don't understand what argument we're trying to put forward. Um, and I, I think that we need to, to develop, and look, some people have very good skills in this space, but developing that capacity to frame an argument or a proposal um, in the language of the decision maker. So, if the decision makers are about certain uh, factors, you need to make sure you've addressed those factors in your argument. And what I found was that the nursing people would come in and want something, and, and they would basically think that all they had to do was say, well, it's really important. <laughs> It's actually not sufficient argument. Yeah, it might be really important. And I might actually understand what you're trying to say, but I'm not going to be able to win an argument with that. No. And um, we need to do a bit more work. <laughs> and, um, and that, that our um, relatively inward-looking nature and not always doing that bigger environmental scan and, and, in, and positioning our strategy within the big picture Um, was not always well done. So I think that what I learned then was when I wanted to progress things for the profession, it had to be not about the profession. I mean, that might have been my ultimate aim, but that many times you need to position things about healthcare and improvements in healthcare and the amazingly wonderful contribution and important role that nurses can play in improving healthcare. It may mean that there's some changes for the profession, but that's not the reason you're necessarily doing it. You're actually doing it because this is about achieving improvements for the Australian community and for healthcare more broadly. Absolutely. And, and often the arguments I heard were all about you've got to do this for nursing and, you know, nursing's the biggest profession, therefore you must do this. Well, you know what? That actually doesn't really cut it.
0: Mm. Okay, Absolutely. So once you have now spent this time, you've transitioned back into nursing, at what stage did you, did you then get the role of the Chief Nursing Midwifery Officer for New South Wales?
1: Um, I got that one after I did the Chief Nursing Officer in South Australia. Um, uh, so that was, I went New South Wales, I came back to New South Wales in 2006, I think it was. Okay. Is when I got appointed um, at New South Wales Health to the chief nurse and midwife role there. Mm.
0: Goodness. And what sort of, so sorry for not really understanding, but what does that role involve?
1: Yeah, look, a lot of people don't understand what, what those roles do. And I think a lot of people see them as the, um, we used to, you know, I used to say, I am not the uber matron. I am not the matron of the matrons. Um, and um, These are policy roles and advisor roles. Okay. And the roles of chief nurses, you are an employee of the government of the day. You are a senior public servant. You are there to to both advise government from a nurse. So you bring the nursing and midwifery perspective. You can advise on how nurses and midwives may well be an important contributor or key part of a policy. Um, You can... But because of the knowledge that you have as a nurse and a midwife of healthcare, you can advise on health, provide input and advice into policies more broadly around how healthcare may or may not happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you ultimately also are there to carry out the wishes of the government of the day. So it, the roles are quite challenging in the line, shall I say, that you need to walk because I think the profession often views these roles as, their advocate and voice, and yes, the roles are a voice and, a, and in a way an advocate for nursing and midwifery as a profession, but they are not, they're not necessarily, it won't necessarily be done in a way that people will see. Um, as a public servant, there's a, there's a, a level of um, requirement about what you're allowed to say in public or, you know, I mean, you, you're implementing the government of the day's policies. So that, you know, like all public servants, you have to be cognizant of what governments want. Um, But that doesn't mean that um, you are not behind the scenes in many ways advocating or pushing for things that you know the profession are seeking to achieve, even though it may not be entirely obvious to the profession. So if I use the recent example of um, COVID, and I did see some criticism of the current chief nurse. Where was she? She wasn't on Twitter. She wasn't on here. She wasn't on there. I mean, the current Commonwealth chief nurse is a member of AHPPC, the committee that is making all the decisions or guidance around what's happening with COVID. So we are at the, the leading policy table. Nursing is there. Mm-hmm. And, but she can't go out and trumpet all that and, and rabbit on on Twitter. She actually not, you know, it is limited what she could say. She could say, I went to the meeting today, but she's not going to tell you what happened. (laughs) So I think that sometimes the expectation of those roles, um, seeing them as someone that's going to be out there beating the nursing drum and leading everybody forward, they don't function that way. They're a much more nuanced role. They're a role about influence um, and also about, you know, leadership both within and to the profession in many ways um, but also within government and within the departments of health and that where they work so they're quite challenging roles they're roles that not many other roles that you do prepare you for Mm. Um, there's not a natural sort of do this role and that'll give you 80 percent of the skills and capabilities you'll need for the chief nurse role because it is quite different Um, and I think that You know, people sort of look at it and say, "Oh, I don't know that I'd really know what to do with that." For me, I think the fact that I'd had quite a varied career and had done both general management and nursing management, had worked in a lot of different settings in a number of different states, gave me a really broad background for the role, as well as the fact that I had, you know, my my um, first degree had both uh, economics and psychology, and then I'd done a master's of nursing administration, so I'd also done you know, some further education, gave me a broad base from which to operate in those roles. Um, but, yeah, it's, um, and the, you need to be a pretty strategic thinker um, in those roles. And dare I say, I often say to people, you, you need to be a pragmatist. It's not that you don't have ideals and it's not that you don't have a vision of where you might like to see things go. But you do need to recognise that things won't always happen in the exact way that you think they will mm. and be prepared to go with it.
0: What would you say was your biggest challenge when undertaking that role?
1: Um, what's my biggest challenge? Oh, gee, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, see, I suppose I... I, while I say there were lots of challenges in roles, I suppose I don't I don't spend a lot of time thinking what was like the most challenging thing or the yeah. hardest thing. I just think what were all the different things that we could do? And I mean, we, you know, so one of the things that um, we wanted to do was, well, we recognised there was an issue around the nursing unit managers. So that's when we did the project on mums. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we recognised that there was an issue around um, or, or actually I was given the privilege of seeing um, Essentials of Care at Prince of Wales as it was at the time. Anna Thornton, who's now at St Vincent's, the Director of Nursing at Prince of Wales, invited me over and I thought "This we need this, we need to go bigger with this. So because we had issues around workplace culture, about the delivery of fundamental or essential care mm-hmm. and that this program looked like something and Brendan McCormack, the professor Um, was out here at the time. And so Anna and Brendan very generously said, yes, happy for you to try and take this statewide. So we we were able to do that work. We had the usual challenges around, you know, numbers. There's always the numbers game, how many nurses have we or haven't we got, um, you know, challenges around clinical placements for undergraduate nursing and midwifery students, employment of first year registered nurses, all those usual sorts of things um, were happening then that are still happening today. <laughs> and, yes, they they present challenge and you're trying to look for different solutions and trying to work with people on how you might make it work better um, with varying degrees of success. Uh, not everything always works. Mm. Um, learning from your mistakes, I suppose, and um, moving on.
0: And within that role as well as that Chief nurse within that yeah. state-based um, yeah. position.
1: Yeah.
0: What other roles did you have around you? Who were the other personnel that were helping and assisting you within that role?
1: So, in the nursing office in New South Wales, um, I had an associate. I had a, a team of about, um, I think we had ten or eleven people then. Okay. Um, nurses. We used. Uh, there were some that were permanently employed in the office, and then we used to second people in from the system. And that was great because it brought very current knowledge and and experience in the system because one of the things I think that as you move into some of these more senior roles is maintaining a currency around what's actually happening um, at the bedside, for want of a better phrase. Um, But, you know, um, that because you're not so directly involved in care delivery, you need to have ways of maintaining knowledge and understanding. Um, So bringing people in the system was really Useful um, in terms of them being able to say, Well, you've lost the plot there, that stopped happening, you know, two years ago, where have you been? Um, but also, it educates them about what government's about and what policy roles like the chief nurse are about and what sorts of activities and strategies you implement in those sorts of roles that impact out into the system. So it was a two way learning. And so they go back out in the system. With an improved understanding of what happens in, you know, the department in the ivory tower, as it's often called, um, so uh, it was a it was a two way uh, street. So we always had at least um, two or three seconded staff members in hmm. in the office as well.
0: It's um, my understanding. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, no go. That's no, my understanding. Is at the end of. Uh, six years of of your time spending with with Chief Nursing Officer for New South Wales Health, you then came into the position of CEO of the Australian College of Nursing. I did. What drew drew you specifically to ACN?
1: Um, Well, look, I I was what was called in those days, I was a first fellow of the Royal College of Nursing Australia because I joined it when I was in the Northern Territory and was made a fellow of RCNA as it was. And then when I had returned to New South Wales, at the, in those days there was a, a reciprocal um, agreement about um, if you were a member of one, you could join the other. So I then also joined the College of Nursing or the New South Wales College of Nursing as it was then. And I, I'd been, um, had a long-term association with, with particularly the New South Wales College. I'd been president and involved on the board for many years um, so I'd, I'd always had an active engagement there and I had been part of discussions of which there had been a number. I had been part of some of the discussions to try and bring the two organisations together, um, which we did finally achieve. Um, and so when once we knew that the two organisations were going to come together together, um, and I, I'd been in New South Wales Health for six years. I was probably ready for a change. And it came up and I thought, yeah, actually, that could be a really great thing to do. Um, so I I applied.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, because from other sounds of it, from everything that you've done throughout your career, you're looking for that next challenge. You're looking at something yes. that's going to to stretch you from your own mm. sort of term, your abilities. Yeah. Um, what, what did you gain from your time within being the CEO of ACN?
1: Um, look, it, the, the first, um, well, most of my time there was about sorting out the, the organisation in many respects and trying to, to get that strategic direction that the organisation would have um, to carry forward and which, you know, was really where the board um, landed was around leadership, which the organisation has gone on to. Um, Do some really nice work, um, particularly in the leadership education and the emerging nurse leader program. Um, I think that's that's been a really um, a real you know really positive and successful activity. But the current work with the mid-career leadership and those things are really great. Mm -hmm. So, but in my time, it was you know we had two organisations that we had to try and bring together. Um, We had to sort out budget we had to sort out locations we um, had to sort out corporate um, structures um, corporate law all those sorts of things so a lot of my time was very much focused on the nuts and bolts of the organization Mm. Um, and at the time I left it was probably about the time to you know we we were starting to move into the more now this is what the organization can do and achieve um, and you know, Kylie has come into the role and moved on with that. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I probably um, uh, well managing not-for-profits, as they call them, or third-sector organisations, is is difficult at times. Um, I think a membership organisation brings with it special challenges. Not all members are the same. Not all members want the same things. Mm. And trying to meet multiple agendas um, can be difficult um, and you don't always succeed at that. Um, trying to have organisations like ACN um, recognised by key policymakers and having the influence that the organisation wants to have, I think is a continuing challenge for many nursing organisations and in that respect, ACN is no different to a number of other ones. Um, and, you know, I think you have um, some degree of success, other things you would like to have seen go better. Um, but I think overall the organisation has moved forward um, and had some achievements.
0: It sounds like you very much paved the way for, for the foundations of what the Australian College of Nursing is all about.
1: Well, I'd like to think I played some, <laughs> some part. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's, it's there were a lot
1: of people trying to make it all work back in the day,
0: as they say. 100%. And even seeing where it is now, it's, it's, yeah. it's sort of talking about moving into policy and just yeah. from, from someone who's relatively new with with ACN, yeah. it, you can just see how much variety and how much depth mm. there is to our community. Whether yeah. you're looking at our community of interests so or talking about your your ENL l your yeah. early nursing leadership program and, moving into your executive leadership program even just looking seeing with the prime minister and here you are there talking about policy so there's yeah. it's yep. just ever evolving and continuously moving forward
1: yeah it is it is which is
0: good 100% so then mm-hmm. you then entered the role as soon as you finished that position with the chief nursing and midwifery officer the commonwealth big position yeah. Looking, looking back, did you ever think that was going to, to be where you're sort of finishing up with your career in nursing?
1: Oh, no. Look, <laughs> when I started nursing, I, um, I had no idea what I was going to do. At the time, it was, oh, yeah, this is good, I'll do this. And uh, I had, I'm, I'm, I'm not a person that ever had a career plan. For me, um, opportunities have come up. And, you, and I think as individuals we make decisions about whether we will take up those opportunities or not. I happen to have taken up a number of them and they've provided me with some very rich experiences and, and great opportunities. Um, others, you know, you don't take up. Um, so I, I, had, I, I meet people that are very clear that this is where they want to end up, um, but um, I, was not, I was never one of those people. I, I just sort of went along and, um, it, gee, it worked out well <laughs> 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 from my perspective.
0: <laughs> well, it seems like so, everything you did, you're always looking for an opportunity to enhance your skills and to find oh, something yeah. that brought you joy as well.
1: Yeah, that's true. And, uh, you know, everything I've done, I've always learned new things um, and had new experiences and they've all been things that you carry forward into the next role and um, that, that I think then provide you with that richer background and, and things to draw upon when you meet different challenges. Um, because you've got a range of perspectives and, and learnings that you can draw on um, when you meet that next challenge. Mm-hmm.
0: So, within the role of the Commonwealth Chief Nursing and Midwifery Officer, I'd love to Mm -hmm. learn more about exactly what that role involves. So, my understanding is that here you are, not only, I'm looking at the current Commonwealth Chief Nursing and Midwifery Officer, with the Prime Minister at the moment, you're standing up in front of the nation and you're delivering addresses, and Mm -hmm. here you are representing overseas, representing almost Australia in a way, um, you've then you're in front of the world health organization you're going over continuously on overseas sort of activities yep. i'd love to learn more about the role that you had
1: so the um the commonwealth chief nurse role again like the state ones is, is an advisory role um and a policy role and the commonwealth department of health is largely a policy organization it doesn't um deliver health care directly so to speak um so um So a lot of the role is about um, across the Commonwealth um, uh, looking at providing input into almost any policy you can think of. Um, It's also about, um, I think, helping the Commonwealth understand the potential that lies within the nursing and midwifery professions and trying to think of ways to um, garner support for um, seeing nurses and midwives being able to deliver and be engaged in different um, ways of delivering care and health services. Um, It's also working, though, with your colleague chief nurses in the states and territories on those bigger picture national um, nursing matters and issues. So that's where we did some work like stimulating conversation around uh, nurse prescribing and advanced practice and things like that that we were able to do as a group because they were issues that were important for all um, jurisdictions. Um, they might look a bit different in each one, but they're important for all of them. Um, and But the other big part of the role when I was in it um, was externally facing out of Australia. So um, I was actively involved in the South Pacific Chief Nursing and Midwifery Officers Alliance. So working with our colleagues in the South Pacific um, and I attended as part of the, um, Australia's delegation to the World Health Assembly and subsequently went on to the Executive Board um, as, rep- as Australia's representative and, um, and had the privilege of being on the, um, the lead, what, we, what were we called? It was like the Executive of the Executive Board, um, uh, was one of the Vice Presidents of the Executive Board of WHO and you know oh, wow. my, my little run at had to chair a meeting, which was I mean I I feel enormously privileged to have to have done that, to be sitting next to Dr. Tedross and having, you know, the the executive board and having to chair the meeting. It was just an amazing experience and I would never in my wildest dreams have thought that I would end up doing that.
0: Oh wow. <laughs> just in awe. <laughs> <It's> a- <laughs>
1: Uh, there's
0: lots you can do in nursing. Oh, that's that's. <laughs> I think Deborah, that's the the whole purpose of what this this podcast series is all about is is yeah. interviewing nursing and midwifery leaders from all different backgrounds, so just to yeah. highlight exactly what is possible with the career yeah. in in our profession. And here you are, you know, chairing these you know boards and <laughs> in, in these moments like overseas into these prestigious positions as a registered nurse.
1: Yep. Yep. Yes, and I, I think one of my um I think that one of the proudest moments that the executive board was um la, uh, would have been last, not January just gone, the one before, when um it was um Jamaica that moved that 20 that that the board recommend to the Director General and the W and the World Health Assembly that 2020 be the International Year of the Nurse and Midwife. And that I was able to second that and that I was able to say in my speech or my, my intervention, as it's called, that as a chief nurse and midwife in Australia, I'm really, you know, really proud to say that Australia is right behind Jamaica um, in supporting this call. And, of course, Dr Tedros was absolutely there. He was so keen for it to happen. So it was, um, you know, able to go through to the WHO, to the World Health Assembly, ICN um, there. Um, very actively supporting it, um, WHO supporting it, and so um, it went through WHA, and here we are in twenty twenty. wasn't quite the year we expected, but here we are.
0: <laughs> and here we are in the year of the nurse and midwife as well. Yep,
1: yep, that's right.
0: Absolutely. So you
1: know that was that was really great to be there for that.
0: Absolutely. How closely do you work as your role with the Commonwealth Chief Nursing Midwifery Officer with the Chief Medical Officer?
1: I mean, um, the roles are quite they're, – they're relatively separate. Um, there are areas where you overlap. So um, it, particularly around more clinical care delivery type issues, you, then you may well both be involved. Um, but the chief medical officer has a, a, has a slightly different role. He has some particular statutory – he or she has some statutory responsibilities. They have a large um, – public health um, focus as well, often, and particularly in this period, um, which is not as strong in the chief nurse role. I probably as chief nurse, worked across many different parts and with many different departments of the department at a different, in a slightly different way to the chief medical officer. The chief medical officer is part of the executive of the department. The Mm. chief nurse sits in a slightly different position Um, so functions a little bit differently. So you have things that you do together, you have things that you do apart, and you have things where you just touch base with each other. Mm. The Deputy Chief Medical Officer at the time and I had officers side by side, we did a lot more stuff together. We certainly tic tac and made sure that each other was aware of things that we thought the other one should be aware of. And, you know, um, so his role was probably while uh, well, he had a strong focus on primary health care, but um, he also was equally involved right across the department in a more generic way like I was, whereas the chief medical officer was more at that executive level looking at a sl- having a slightly different um, role.
0: Absolutely. But, looking back now on your time within this role and I guess throughout mm-hmm. your career, <laughs> what are you most proud of?
1: What am I most proud of? Look, I think the things I'm most proud of, um, for me, um, the work I did in New South Wales on Take the Lead and the um, Essentials of Care work. I mean, I can remember going to um, a hospital and having a nurse who was participating in the Essentials of Care program, tell me that this program had helped her to re-engage with her profession had helped her to remember why she became a nurse and I and and I used to see the change in some people and I would I would get quite emotional because it was such a privilege to think that through the work that we were facilitating that it was actually provi- making positive change for individual nurses who were then a- feeling more able to do their work um, and getting greater job satisfaction and for me that was um, that was, I was really proud of that work that we did. And I think the other thing, so that there were those two things when I was at um, New South Wales Health. Um, And then probably the other thing is the work um, as with the World Health Organisation and the enormous privilege of attending as part of the Australian delegation and being on the executive board. Um, I mean, that's just something that um, was has been terrible, it's, was really special. Um, and as I said, an enormous privilege. But you know, I, I picked those few things out. But I've had, from my perspective, my career has just been amazing. I've had a fabulous time, you could say. I've had some amazing experiences. I've met some wonderful people. Um, and it's just, um, I, I, I feel enormously lucky to have been able to do what I've been able to do.
0: So now, Deborah, looking forward, so now this mm. year being year of the nurse and midwife and looking into the future, where do you hope that our career progresses to, let's say, in the next 10 years?
1: So I would like to, I really, I think we've got an enormous challenge that we need to get through and help the public, and the, I think it is the public in many ways, to really understand the breadth and depth of nursing as a profession. I think that many people still see nurses as someone who just carries out doctor's orders and that therefore we are then left out of a whole range of settings where nurses have an enormous amount to contribute to policy and service. And, the, and so, you know, if, if through this work of, um, of what's been happening with COVID, I think we need to grasp the opportunity it presents where nursing is under such a spotlight, but to take it beyond the the nurse as the hero um, and, you know, in there in the um, PPE and that, but also to, and this is how nursing more broadly is operating at this time, that there are not just nurses at the bedside. There are nurses in policy roles who are helping to drive the COVID response. There are nurses in academe who are looking at how we're responding and researching what it means and what can we do going forward and what would we do if this happened again? And also, dare I say, trying to maintain educating the future nurses um, so that when we get out of this, we've still got people coming through into the workforce. Um, but um, I think, yeah, that real challenge about making explicit that what the, the full um, range and, and, as I said, depth and breadth of nursing is... Nurses un, do not only provide clinical care. Yes, we all come from that base. And that's something, as I said, you often, you always retain an attachment to in some way. But we have a, a, so many opportunities within the nursing profession and so much knowledge that we can contribute if mm. people can see our, see beyond the nurse at the bedside, important as that is.
0: Absolutely. So, Deborah, I understand that you are technically retired at the yeah, moment. technically. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I understand you're doing a little bit of work with QUT, but we'll <laughs> yes, yes. say retired. And you, you've constantly mentioned through, throughout both of these episodes now that you, you're always after that next challenge, that you're mm. seeking opportunities in order to stretch your abilities. Is there a next challenge for you that you're seeking?
1: Well, maybe that'll be to survive retirement. No. Um, <laughs> I have a range of other interests. Um, I'm currently studying a Master's of Science uh, in History through the University of Edinburgh. So I have a dissertation to write. Um, so I need to do that. Um, I have I have an interest in photography, genealogy, a whole range of things. I won't live long enough to jump over my to-do list in retirement. Um, so I've got lots of things um, that I want to do that are quite, dare I say, quite, different to what i've probably what i've done for the last 45 plus years um and uh i'm i'm really looking forward to it i think there's lots of things to learn and do but also you know maybe some time to try and be a bit creative in a different way through photography um and once COVID's over i mean i'll travel in australia for the moment but once COVID's over i'd like to get back to a bit of overseas travel uh as well seeing new new places learning new things Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah yep professor i think uh, it's time for the next person to take on some of what i've been doing
0: okay. professor deborah tom thank you very much for your time being on the acn podcast
1: thank you ben it was uh, lovely to talk with you and all the best for your career thank you